so many that have been traveling and others that are still traveling on their way home today. And God protect them as they travel. Tomorrow, if you would like, we are going to be getting the church ready for the Christmas season. And if you'd like to be here to help us at 1 o'clock, give us a hand. That would be great if you uh, are able to be here. Amen. Matthew chapter number 3. Matthew chapter 3. And verse number 1. In those, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his paths. See, the kingdom of heaven was about to start. And this powerful ministry of Jesus Christ was about to unfold. And John began opening up and speaking about the coming of the Messiah. Verse 11, he goes on to say, John says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John, as you're turning to chapter 6, John was saying, I'm just the forerunner. I'm just a servant telling you, be ready for the kingdom of heaven is coming to earth to save mankind. John chapter number 6 Verse number 31, the Bible says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. We've been, we've been digging into so many truths of the word today. And this past year seems like we've been on a journey. And uh, we're going to continue that journey for today. I want to talk to you about the revelation of the kingdom of God. The revelation of the kingdom of God. How many want to know a little bit more about the kingdom? You're in the right place. Would you put your Bibles down? Let's lift our voices and lift your hands. And let's lift our hearts to heaven right now as we come and we ask him to speak to us. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I ask you for help and strength and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That it would be your words, not our words. That you would speak in a mighty way. In Jesus' name. And everybody say in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we find that it is written 68 times in 10 different New Testament books. When you think of the phrase the kingdom of heaven occurs 32 times and that is only found in the book of Matthew. 
John the Baptist preached about the kingdom of God. Jesus preached about the kingdom of God. The disciples preached about the kingdom of God. And pastors going to preach about the kingdom of God. So I'm in, I'm in good company. Now, there are, there are two kingdoms that we understand. The Bible talks about there is a kingdom of light that is ruled by the Lord. And then there is a kingdom of darkness that is ruled by Satan. These two kingdoms are at war with one another. There is light and darkness. There is good. There is evil. And they're always in constant battle with each other. But that won't be for long. Interesting is that both demand total allegiance. There's no middle ground. You can't half serve Satan. You, you can't be half saved. You're either saved or not saved. You're either serving God and living for God or you're serving the enemy and you're serving the world. You're serving your flesh. There's no middle ground with living for God or living for the world. Matthew tells us in Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. It's impossible. So you have a choice to make. And it's been from scriptures, from the beginning of the book of Genesis, it's been this unfolding drama of the story of redemption and for 2,000 years God is dealing with man from chapter 1 to chapter 11 of Genesis and, and in all of that just thousands of years uh, passing by so swiftly and all of a sudden those first just very few pages of Genesis and he gets to one man named Abraham the only man that stands out between Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 12 is a man named Enoch and a man named Noah. But of the thousands and yea, millions of people that were alive during that time, it's amazing that only two people caught God's attention. But here we get to Abraham. We see God starts working now. Instead of working on masses, God focuses on one man. And out of that one man, he's going to, to pull out all stops. And he, he's focusing on one man that his offspring will bring about his plan of redemption. And from that one man became a family. And from that family became a nation, the nation of Israel. That nation had laws. That nation had feasts. That nation had sacrifices. And all of this Old Testament was spiritual representations, or if you please, they were revelations of God's plan for mankind. How many remember in the Old Testament, there was the sacrifice that had to be made? Five people, praise God. But man had to build an altar. You had to build an altar and slay a lamb or slay a ram or slay a goat or slay a bullock. Lay him on the altar and offer him as a sacrifice unto God. That was a revelation. That was a type and a shadow, an example for us that soon and very soon in the future was going to come the Lamb of God. And the Lamb of God was going to shed his innocent blood and that that blood was going to wash away. And that blood is going to wash away 
The Bible says John saw the lamb. He says, behold the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And so God understood us and realized that we we can grasp spiritual things when we see physical representations. And so Paul tells us these things were written for an example unto us. 1,600 years continue after Abraham, and we get to the Old Testament, the ending of the Old Testament. And then the heavens go silent. 400 years of silence. No voice, no prophets, no writings, no angels, no visitation, no word from God, and the heavens as if they were shut up and really gone out of business. 400 years. And then crashing onto the scene, we come to a radical preacher that was wearing camel's hair and he was eating locusts and honey and would preach in the wilderness. But the people were so hungry for God. They were so hungry for a word from God. They were so desperate to hear something from heaven that they would go all the way out into the wilderness to hear a preacher, a wild preacher, preach the word. We read it earlier. It says that in the days of John the Baptist, he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and he preached about the kingdom of God and repentance. Even King Herod went out to the wilderness to hear him. We were there just a few few weeks ago in the wilderness. There ain't nothing in the wilderness of Judea. And so this kingdom of God, this kingdom is so important that Jesus said it like this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. How important is the kingdom? Let me tell you, whatever your ambitions are, seek first the kingdom of God. Whatever your plans are, seek first the kingdom of God. Whatever your dreams are, seek first the kingdom of God. And whatever good comes your way, seek first the kingdom of God. Whatever bad comes your way, seek first the kingdom of God. And his kingdom is not of this world. It's not subject to this world. It's not subject to these worlds. You you know, the world has good days and bad days, but not in his kingdom. The the world has has good weather, bad weather, but not in his kingdom. The world has, has, has situations of politics that are good and bad, but not in his kingdom. The world has terrible things that are happening in the world, but not in his kingdom. It's not affected by this world. His kingdom is in the heavens. His kingdom is of born-again believers. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His kingdom is a powerful kingdom. His kingdom is a holy kingdom. His kingdom is a never-ending kingdom. His kingdom is a kingdom of holy angels. And can I tell you this? Hell will not prevail against his kingdom. And death cannot defeat his kingdom. And sin cannot enter into his kingdom. And Satan cannot stand nor resist his kingdom. So let's dig in some of the word today. The kingdom. And this is his kingdom and he alone is sovereign. Matthew 6.13 tells us, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
for a week for 10 years for my lifetime say it out loud forever 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 it's a never ending kingdom and then Jude chapter 1 and verse 25 tells us the only to the only wise God our savior by the way I just love that scripture because there's only one wise God if you find more than one they're dumb so don't even try to worship them To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. And the church says, Amen. Revelation chapter 11, he continues to unfold the kingdom. He says, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever. And ever, listen to me, there's about to be a transfer of the kingdom. There's about to be an exchange of the kingdom. There's about to be a new ruler going to show up. The Bible says it's going to come to pass. There's going to be a day they won't be no more presidents, no more prime ministers. There's getting ready to be a day when the king of kings is going to rule. Revelation 19.6, he says this, he says, I heard that for were the voice of great multitude, as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thunderings. And he said this, saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Listen, you don't want to miss being a part of this kingdom. His kingdom is eternal. His kingdom is invisible. And his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. His kingdom is not earthly. It operates under different principles. Jesus said in John chapter 18 and verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. He's not subject to the land. He's not subject to the laws. He's not subject to what man has to look and endure every day. His kingdom is not from this world. Romans 14 Paul writes in verse 17 for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Let, let me let me kind of Break it to you this way. The kingdom of God is something that we get into, but the kingdom of God is something also that gets into us. I get into the kingdom, and the kingdom gets into me. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes in verse 4, in verse chapter 4, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word. But in power. And so to understand the kingdom of God, you have to grasp. This is, this is where you grasp this. Jesus said it this way. He says, he says, he says it like this: Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How, how many has ever prayed that? See, see, let, let me, let me, let me, let's do a test, okay. How many here, how many here, this is a test, how many here want to please God? Would you raise your hand, you want to please God? Wow, that's 100%. Now, 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 wait, wait, wait. 
Understand this. That didn't come from you. You think your flesh wants to do the will of God? You think your flesh wants to submit? You think your flesh is okay with going, not my will, but that will be done? That didn't come from your flesh. That came from God inside of you, working his will and his purpose and his design. Paul said in his word, in me, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. It didn't come from inside of you. It didn't start inside of you. But the kingdom of God began working, and now you get to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's why those that live in God's kingdom, we live under his rule and we seek to do his will. Despite the barrage of attacks upon it, the kingdom of God is destined to stand triumphant over every foe. Nothing and nobody can defeat the kingdom of God. Prophetically, looking ahead, we understand that there's a person that's going to come on the scenes. And he is going to be called the Antichrist. And he is going to fool many people. He is going to deceive many people. He's going to be able to woo so many people. He's going to be the answer to the economy. He's going to be the answer to immigration. He's going to be the answer to... Health insurance? Hey, he's going to be the man. And everybody's going to, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. I don't know if he's going to do that, but. Everybody is going to follow him. Listen, if you're not careful, the Bible says be not deceived. Anybody can be deceived. That's why you got to fall in love with the kingdom. Fall in love with truth. But even the Antichrist, he's going to be able to call fire down from heaven. He's going to do miracles and people are going, to, uh-huh, that's the Messiah. Uh-huh, look at him, look at him. Miracle, wow. Don't go home, don't go home, don't go home. It gets worse. Hang around. See, this, this is, and so Satan has tried to prevent the kingdom from being established. He even thought that by killing Jesus, he might circumvent the birth of the church. But the grave could not stop what God ordained. You, 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 you really? Do you really think that the devil was, was, was not trying everything he could to prevent that stone from rolling away? As a matter of fact, he even had the stone sealed and, and guards by it. He was trying to do everything he could and all of the devils of hell were trying to hold that stone. But can I tell you, when it was resurrection morning, <laughs> no grave could hold him down. And just like you, when you have the Holy Spirit, uh, no grave can hold you down. And when that trumpet sounds, you're going to come up out of the ground. Jesus looked unto Peter and he said these words. Upon this rock, upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell may prevail against it. And the gates of hell, ah, you know. No, no, the Bible says the gates of hell shall not 
shall not prevail against the church. But this is a journey that we're on. We're on a journey into the kingdom of God. Just like Israel had to come out of Egypt to get into the promised land. You, you cannot be in Egypt in the promised land at the same time. Okay, let's just get real. You can't be in Cooper City and Hawaii at the same time. I know that's deep. Buckle up. They had to come out of Egypt to go into the promised land. They came out of Egypt and went into the promised land. So just like that, the kingdom of God is represented by the promised land. Egypt is represented by the world. See, the story of God opening the Red Sea, allowing the children of Israel to escape Pharaoh and his army, is such an incredible story of deliverance of the Old Testament. It's an example for us of how we came out of the world. It's an example, listen, it's an amazing example for many, many reasons. Imagine for a moment God delivering these people out of Egypt and leading them to the promised land. That's what happened to you. That's what's happened to me. We were set free. See, Colossians, watch this, Colossians chapter 1. Are, are we having a good journey here? Are we, are we, or am I the only one having fun here? Colossians chapter 1, he says this, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. In other words, we, we wouldn't qualify, but he made us qualifiable. We couldn't qualify, but he made us, he made us meet. We're able to achieve this now because of him to be partakers of the inheritance of the Satan and light. This is, here we go. Next verse. Watch this. Who hath, who hath, who hath delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness? He delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness and he translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. can make you more excited. He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. Hallelujah. He picked me up out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of his praise. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to say, in whom we have redemption through his blood even, even the forgiveness of sins. So the apostle Paul informs us of this good news, the good news of the gospel. It was preached to them as it's preached to us. This good news is what Jesus preached in Matthew 4, 23. He says he was going over all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the very heart of Jesus' teaching. The message he asked us to preach to the whole world. And Jesus told his disciples to spread the message of the kingdom to the whole world. And it starts with this. It starts with childlike faith. It starts. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 18 and verse 17. Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child is, shall in no wise enter therein. So let me ask you a question here. How many here believe 
that God has a king. Okay. Pause. How many here has ever seen it? But yet you have childlike faith. But yet you believe. Blessed is he that hath not seen and yet believed, Jesus told Thomas. And I'm here. That's us. I believe. I believe. I believe. Let's interject a story in, in, in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, very familiar, where Jesus meets the man of the Pharisees. He's named Nicodemus. He's one of the rulers of the Pharisees. And he came to Jesus by night, verse number 2. And he said this. Now, now, he says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that you do except God's with him. So pause here. Pause here. You can tell that they've been talking about Jesus. Nicodemus is part of the inner circle. Nicodemus comes from one of the rulers of the Jews. And he's and he been talking. God, man, this guy. Whew, what are we going to do with him? I don't know. Maybe, but he's doing miracles. I don't know. But he's teaching kind of weird stuff. Yeah, but he's doing miracles. And they go, he can't. Can, they, the devil can't do miracles like this. And so we know that thou art a teacher come from God. But they didn't want to, so he had to come by night. And so he says in verse 3, and so Jesus just goes right to the heart of the matter. Listen, you ain't got a lot of time, and I just got to get to the heart of the matter. Nicodemus, you need to know this. Except, verily, very last saying to thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see, everybody say see, the kingdom of God. You see, this is, this is the miracle, the revelation is seeing the kingdom. Because people in the world can't see the kingdom. They can't see what you see. And you can't see the kingdom until you get into the kingdom. It's, 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 it's the man in the world looking at you going, ah, oh, you guys gave up so much for so little. And the kingdom people look back and go, we gave up so little for so much. By the way, by the way, let me just break it to you. Whatever you got to give up to get into the kingdom, you got to give up to go to hell too. Don't know, flashpoint, there's no bars in hell. There's, there's no cigarette sales vending machines in hell. There's no prostitution in hell. There's no pornography on the internet in hell. I wish I had a witness in the house today. There's no drugs in hell. Whatever you got to give up to go to heaven, you got to give up to go to hell. Well, that was for free. Okay, are you with me? Verse 4, John 3 and 4, say I got it. Three people got it. All right. So, so he's he's trying to grasp this. Nicodemus, he's scratching his head, and he says, "How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born?" Jesus answered, "Verily, verily, let me explain to you. I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into." Everybody say, "See." That's the first thing. But that can, he says, water and spirit is how I enter into the kingdom of God. Say water and spirit. He goes on in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you. See, marvel's been around a long time. Lee, what's his name? 
They didn't start with Marvel. God had Marvel way back when. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Now, let's look at the example of the Old Testament that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 1. Watch this. This is what he says. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. Isn't that great? The Bible doesn't want to keep you ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant how that all our fathers were under, everybody say, the cloud. And all passed through, everybody say, the sea. They passed through the cloud and the sea. Watch this. And we're all baptized unto Moses. How were they baptized? In the, and in the cloud and. Mm. First Peter. Chapter 3 and verse number 20. Here's another example. Which sometimes were disobedient. When once the long suffering of God waited, now we're talking about in the days of Noah. First we talked about Moses, and he's talking now about in the days of Noah. While the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by what? Huh. The like figure were unto even baptism doth also now save us. Watch this. First he talked about Moses, cloud and sea. Cloud has to do with spirit. Sea has to do with water. Spirit, water. Born again of the water and the... And when, when Noah is coming out of the ark. One of the, one of the things that Noah did is he took a dove, and the dove was part of his, his plan to get out of the ark, right? Before he steps ground on the new land, he had to have a dove. Water, dove. Dove is representative of the spirit. Water is representative of baptism. Don't let anybody lie to you. You must be born again of the water and of the Spirit if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God. And the fulfillment of this was on the day of Pentecost. And you see, this is how we enter the kingdom. It's the same way the New Testament church did. We remember that Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom. To the apostle Peter. Watch this. Watch this. He has the keys to the kingdom. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now watch this. If I tell you. I've got the keys to a mansion that is 30,000 square feet on the intercoastal, right on the beach. I got the keys, bro. <laughs> Means two things. I have access and I have authority to enter in there. And the police pull up and see me and they go, boy, you don't belong here. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let me show you. I got the keys. I have the keys. I have access to get in. 
thank you for giving me the access to your house. One day I'm, one day I'm going to get in. I have access to get in. Now watch this. Not only, see, if, if trust me, if I had access to that 30,000 square foot home in the intercoastal where, on the water and all that, I'd be, I'd be going like, come with me. Hey, Clark, come, come on, I got the game. You gotta come, come on, come on. I'm gonna take you. Come on, I gotta take you. We gotta go in. See? When you have the keys, not only does it allow me to get in, but I'm gonna take as many people with me. Peter had the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And Peter used the keys when he's preaching in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Because in verse, he's preaching about Jesus and he gets to verse 36 and he says, Therefore let the house of Israel know assuredly, all of this crowd is mocking them. They're like, you guys are full of new wine. You guys are just, man, you guys are drunk. And Peter has to preach to him, tell him, no, we are just now being filled with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter in his sermon preaches. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know that that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified. He is now both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter had something in his pocket. Wait just a minute. I think I can help you get into the kingdom. And he pulls out the keys and he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And ye shall be filled for the remission of sins and you shall be filled receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off even as many as our Lord our God shall call aren't you glad he had the keys and he didn't just use them for himself but he opened the kingdom so we could come into the kingdom of God and he said to Peter remember whatever you bind on earth Whatever you say on earth is going to be established in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is going to be loose in heaven. I'm here to tell you, there's only one set of keys. If you're going to get in, you've got to use the same keys that the apostles used. The same set of keys the disciples used over and over again. And the keys that Peter used at Pentecost were also used at Samaria in chapter 8. And Peter used the same keys to Cornelius in his household in Acts chapter 10. And Paul used the same keys in Acts chapter 19. When he came to Ephesus over and over and over, there's no recorded conversion experience in the New Testament that contradict what Peter preached on these instances. The message is still the same. So here we are. We understand that every born-again believer is now a citizen of the kingdom of God. We obtain our citizenship through the new birth of the water and of the spirit. Hear me, hear me. When you become a citizen of heaven, all of a sudden you get a new passport. You see, the one thing that every person that comes into this country must have is a passport. You're going to pass through the port. You've got to have a passport. 
I know, I know that's deep. I, I know, I realize it's just deep. You get it on the way home. Some of them need a long way home to get that. You have a passport to get you in the port. And your passport spiritually is the new birth experience that Peter preached about with the keys. You get this new citizenship. And everybody that obeys and believes the gospel becomes a new creature through him. And this inward transformation happens in us. And since the Holy Ghost has made us alive unto Christ, we no longer live to satisfy this flesh. We have enthroned God as the supreme ruler of our hearts. And we've exchanged our will for his will. And we've submitted our carnal nature to God. We surrender our desires to his will by doing the things that please him. Just like all of you raised your hands and said, I want to please God, that is not your carnal nature. That is a work of the Spirit. That is an indication of the Spirit working inside of you. And as loyal subject of His kingdom, we willingly obey His word. So we come into the kingdom of God and this entrance depends on obedience to the word of God. Matthew 7, 21 says this, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that... There's going to be a lot of people that said, Lord, Lord, but they're not going to get to go because you have to not only say, you have to do. Therefore, whosoever that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And he says, and those that don't do his will are going to be like a man that was foolish that built his house upon the sand. So the journey of this, this transformation starts taking place. And here's where it starts. It starts with us separating ourselves from the world. Come out from among them and be ye... Separate, saith the Lord. And Egypt is this, this, this world, and Pharaoh is like Satan keeping us in spiritual bondage. And before we were converted, our minds were darkened of the truth. We were enslaved to corruption. I once was blind, but now I see. Our mind is set on earthly and temporal things, and our spirit is held in bondage, not free to unite with God's will. And that's why Jesus said everyone in John 8, 34, that commits sin is a slave to sin. But he that the Son has set free is free indeed. And so if we're going to get into the kingdom, we've got to separate ourselves from the world. See, the aspirations of God's children are to do his will and not love the world nor the things that are in the world. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, he tells us that we are buried with him in baptism unto death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father so we may walk in the newness of life. As we go down in the water of the Red Sea, we die symbolically to sin. We bury our, our self-will nature. And we come out walking in the new way of life. 
That's the power of baptism. It was symbolized even way back in Noah, and it was symbolized way back even in Moses. They were baptized. They were saved by water. They came through the water. Can I tell you this? If you're going to get in the kingdom, you can't do it without going through the water. But neither can you earn your way into the kingdom. We're helpless without the power of God. No matter how hard we try, it's not enough to enter the kingdom of God. We've got to enter by faith. Living by faith doesn't do anything except that we do according also to the command that the Lord says, accompanying our faith. You have to have faith and works. Faith without works is, and works without faith is dead. If Mark says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. In other words, even if you get baptized, it's not going to help you if you don't have faith. It's just of no use. And so here, we live by faith in the preaching of the kingdom. So about 2,000 years now have passed, musicians are coming, since Jesus preached the good news about the kingdom of God. It's a message of deliverance from Satan, sin, and the world. We're translated into the kingdom of his son. It's the message of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And it's what he told us to all preach. Now, the conflict of the ages is going to culminate soon when the armies of God are going to make war against the armies of the Antichrist at the battle called Armageddon. And God will triumph over all the kingdoms of this world Listen to me. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to be on the winning side? Now, trash talk, there's going to be a smackdown. There's going to be a whooping. There's going to be a beat. Somebody's going to get beat up, and you want to be on the winning team. I can tell you that much. So Jesus will be king of kings and lord of lords. All the kingdoms of this world will bow down at the feet of Christ. He's going to rule the nations and kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall at his command. He brings men to power. He removes them according to his sovereign will. But when he returns to earth again, he will establish his eternal kingdom. Now here's the good news. The good news is that there is room in his kingdom for you. He has a place for you in his kingdom. Although we're citizens of the world, can I remind you, we are not a part of this world. We are not of the world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're being born from above by the power of the Holy Ghost. We are new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And God's ever-increasing kingdom reaches around the world as the gospel is preached unto every nation. Can I remind you, prophetically, the Bible says we're hasting towards the coming of the Lord. Remember the word of prophecy, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end has come. Now, we've been talking about the kingdom, how the kingdom works and everything. Imagine, imagine you don't have the keys, but we want to we go to this palace. We want to go to this big house, this palace, and we want to go there, and we're going to live there. 
We're going to go in there and live there. Uh, and and, and here's, here's the plan, okay? I, I, I've been good. You've been good. We've been good. I ain't killed nobody. I didn't steal from anybody. I ain't ran over anybody's dog and cat. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to knock on this door and I'm going to say, hey, hey, I'm ready to move in to the kingdom. I'm ready to move into this palace. You think they're going to let me in? Hey, but I've been good. Come on. I've been really, really, really good. I mean, I'm a preacher. I get paid to be good. I know it was bad. I'm that good. You think they're going to let me in? I'm happy Hannibal. Are they going to let me in? No. But I can tell you three ways that you can get in. Number one, if you're going to go in, you're going to see how big those walls are? You can't get in there. You ain't going to live in there. Try to get in those gates. Uh-uh. But there's a way you can get in. If you're going to live inside that beautiful palace, you can be born there. You can be married into there. Or you can be adopted into them. Now get this. This is the power of the kingdom of God. You don't get to get into the kingdom by one or by two. We get to go in by all three. Watch, 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 watch. Isn't it true that we are born again? Isn't it true that we are the bride of Christ? And isn't it true that we've been adopted into the family of God? Stand to your feet. So just recently, just recently, we had the most incredible picture of the kingdom unfold before our eyes. The whole world got to see a, a young girl, a young girl that in her own words, told the whole world that she used to go she had gone as a little girl to the palace in London and was holding on to the same gate that I held on to holding on to those iron bars like I was watching those soldiers move in her name was Megan right you with me and had she tried to go in, she would have been killed. Had she kicked her door in, she would have not had access. But something happened. He put a ring on it. Wait, 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 wait. The same girl. The same guards. The same rules. But now... She comes in. She don't have to push the door, knock on the door, and she walks up. The door's open for her. She's in the kingdom, and that's what happens when you get in the kingdom. I know, I know. I've taken all your time and you're bored, but let me just finish with this. Here's, 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 here's what he says. Watch this. 
I'm finishing with this because Matthew, Jesus taught one more thing about the kingdom. I want to teach you this. Matthew chapter 13, again, the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus gave so many examples. The kingdom of heaven is like this. kingdom of heaven is like this. I'm not going through all of them. Thank you. You're welcome very much. But here's, here's I want to tell you this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hid in the field. That when a man has found it, he hides it again. And he goes and he sells all that he has to buy the field. And then verse number 45, again the kingdom of heaven is like the merchant man seeking the, the, the goodly pearls. In verse 45, 46 he says, when he found the pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he has and he bought it. He runs home to mama. <laughs> Whoa! Honey, eBay, 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 let's go. Sell, sell the cars. Sell all the cars. Sell the refrigerator. Sell the so Sell the beds. We're going to sell everything. What? Sell the pictures on the wall. Sell the, sell the stove. Sell the dishwasher. What? You've gone crazy. No. I found something of more value. He sells all that he has to buy the field. My question to you today, are you willing to still sell all? I'm not talking about refrigerators and cars and you're, you're going to have to sell your dog. But are you willing to sell everything out? Are you willing to put everything beside you and go, no, you can take this whole world. Give me Jesus. I have decided I'm going to follow Jesus. I've, got, I've made up my mind. There's, there's no turning back. I've already settled the issue. I'm wondering if today we can gather around this altar and say one more time, God, I want you to know this kingdom is more important. I'm going to seek first the kingdom. I've got to have the kingdom first, first, first. The kingdom's going to be number one. Come on, church. Why don't we gather around the front? Let the kingdom again be number one. It's got to be number one. Number no one. Number one. Back. Don't turn back. Whatever no you do, whatever you do, back. if you put your hand to the plow and say, 